0: Hi, you're listening to Coldody Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at coldody.org, or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com/forward/slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. So uh, we are 10 days from the beginning of Hanukkah or dedication, which is what Hanukkah means, and we're all excited about that. So, Lord, we pray you open our eyes to pull wonderful things from your word. Lord, Speak to us through your word, and uh, we pray. Uh, so glad to have Pastor Fadi and his wife, dear wife, with us today, Lord. The, just so such a blessing, Lord, they are. Just pray for those that are fighting illness and fighting whatever it is. We pray for your power to be manifest, Lord, in this season of miracles, Lord. Where we know you're a God who does miracles. So, Lord, please hear our cries and, and, and uh, bring healing, bring power, bring turnaround events, Lord, and uh, show yourself, Lord, and in, our, in our, the affairs of our lives by your hand as we pray. We know you do it, Lord. We know you're powerful. You're able to do it. And you hear our cries. Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Um, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is the parasha this week. I'm not going to speak on it. I've spoken on it before extensively. You know, of course, you know, love it, where Jacob wrestles, uh, Yaakov wrestles with the, the angel. <clears throat> and in Genesis 32, I'm just going to mention a couple of verses in it right now, but verse 25, it might be verse 24 in your trans-your version. Uh, then Jacob remained, the Hebrew word yatar, He remained alone, he remained, he stretched out, he was stretched out alone, he remained alone, he was isolated or by himself, uh, levado is the Hebrew word, levado. And so the Lord finally has Jacob where he wants him, he's separated, Uh, he's undistracted and he is fearful and he's distressed, running, you know, fleeing his brother Esau in verses 7 and 8. And it says in verse 25 that a man wrestled with him, uh, avak, he wrestled with him until the break of dawn. Now, so who is this man? He is identified as a man, an ish, but in Hosea 12, verses 4 and 5, he's, he's as God, he's God, Elohim. And also as an amalach, as an angel. Uh, and also here in 32, 31, as God, as Elohim. Uh, Jacob later names the place, Peniel, face of God. So we know this man, this one he's wrestling with, is the Lord, is God. In verse 27, then he said, This is the verse I want you to notice, then he said, Let me go, for the dawn has broken. And he said, Okay. And he let him go. Oh, really? I got that wrong? <laughs> Glad you all said, some of you have said no. No, rather, it says he said, "I won't let you go unless you what? You. Yeah, very good. Berach uh, tani, unless you bless me, Berach I won't let you go." Now, some might say, "Okay, instead, you know, and just give in easily," but Jacob wouldn't give in, and he wouldn't give up without God's blessing. And I think there's something really special here, don't you? Hang on to God. Hang on to the Lord for his blessing. Hang on to the Lord for his blessing. The word barach in Hebrew, the root. You know, the word berech in Hebrew, berech, get over here so you can see, is the word for knee, berech. And the idea of blessing is because the knee propels you to go forward. You go forward by bending your knee. You know, if you can't bend your knee, you can't go forward, right? And it's the idea of blessing is power in growth, in propelling to go forward. Um, and so God's blessing is he empowers us f- to, go f- to go forward. Now there were a band connecting this with Hanukkah, the, the story, there were a band of Jewish people during the time of King Antiochus who decided not to give in to the enticing and later forced assimilation and Hellenization of embracing the pagan culture around them. And then later, the prohibition of Jewish observances by the Greek Syrians. They became known as who? The Maccabees, right, the Maccabees, which is thought to be an acronym for their battle cry, Michamoha, Michamoha Be'elim Adonai. You want to try that? Michamoha Be'elim Adonai. Excellent, excellent. Who is like you among the gods Adonai who is like you among the gods O Lord from Exodus 15:11 which they chanted they cried they sang maybe as they carried the name of the Lord the name of God on their shields into battle against the enemy Now they didn't just say okay and let go but they stood up against the edicts and in many cases they died they gave their lives, and they fought back. And guess what? They eventually won. They eventually won through God's help. Through God's help. The few over the many, as we sing in our, the song Maud Sur, our favorite song of Hanukkah, is not, um, Oh Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah. No, it's, that's not the favorite song. Different song. No? Uh, <laughs> the favorite song, Maotsur. Yeshua. T. Crystal can sing it well. When gets her voice back, she'll lead us in that one really well. So, uh, Ma'oz Tsur. It's our you know favorite song of Hanukkah. Rock of Ages. You know, and it almost sounds like a it sounds like a hymn. It is a hymn, and and it's you know the few against the many, the weak over the strong. It's an amazing story. Not by might. Let's say it. Not by might nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord, Zechariah 4, verse 6, God says, I work through the weak and the foolish and the base in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I called you not because your, you're great and mighty, not because you can do it, but I can do it through you. I will do it through you. But you need to depend upon me and not quit and not give in. Trust in me. Put your trust in me. Now, Yeshua showed solidarity with his people. Think about it. Someone was saying, saying, well, is there any significance to the only reference we have really in the scriptures, of course, Book of Maccabees, four books of Maccabees are really in between Old and New Testament or Tanakh, Hebrew Bible, and Brit Hadashah. And is there any significance to the reference in John chapter 10 of Jesus and Hanukkah? Well, there is in this sense that he showed solidarity, I think, with his people during this holiday observance by being where? In the temple. Yeah, in the temple and in and in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. And he could have stayed in, uh, you know, in cushy, comfortable Galilee, the Kinneret. He could have just stayed up there. Instead, he chose to be in Jerusalem, to come, whatever, four days journey, uh, around 30 hours walk each, you know, 30 hours walk each way to be there. It wasn't one of the, the holidays where you had to, you know, where you're supposed to, you're commanded to go. He, but he was there to show solidarity with his people. So he chose to. And, there's, and what he said there was very, very beautiful and powerful. So we don't have to do what everyone else does. And we can resist the culture around us through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. We don't have to just say okay. Just because others are drinking beers, I'm going to just say this. Just because others are drinking beers and martinis for the holidays doesn't mean we have to. I'm just gonna say that. Now, listen, I'm not gonna go into what does the Bible say about drinking and stuff, you know, that's a whole subject, you know. But you don't have to do what everybody else does just because they do it. You do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. And just because everyone else is celebrating gender-blurred identities doesn't mean you have to. And what about, you know, a popular religious culture which appeals and entertains rather than convicts and transforms. Exercise your discernment that you've got given discernment that he's given you by the Holy Spirit who's within you. And we have the word of God, right? And this Holy Spirit in us. Stand in your convictions. Don't give in. In, Don't give up and give in. Hold on to the Lord. In 10 days... On the first night of Hanukkah, there will be a public lighting, public lighting ceremonies worldwide, everywhere. everywhere. Uh, Chabad is great at that. They always find a really public place and light the biggest menorah they can find in a public area, you know, to, to do it. And I and I respect that really about them, that organization. And as Jews do, will do everywhere, if at all possible, in their homes, place your Hanukkah near a window. Near a window. Why? Because our faith is not a private one, but a public one. It's a faith to be revealed, not to be concealed. We proclaim the praises of him who called us, what? Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 2.9, right? Thank you, Lord. Who is like you among the gods, Adonai? We proclaim the Lord Yeshua. Yeshua, Jesus. The true light of the world. The one who works miracles at this season and can in any sa- season. Any season. And we chant the Hanukkah blessings in ten days. And let's practice them now real quick. Baruch ata Adonai. Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu B'midzvotah Vitzivanu Lahadlikner She'el That's the Lord. You've commanded us, sanctify us with your commandments, commanded us to kindle the Hanukkah lights. And then this second one, which i sure I love the best. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech who performed miracles for our forefathers at the, in those days at this time. We're remembering those miracles. Don't you love saying those blessings? We say them every year. And so we will remember God's miracles. And... It is our faith, a public faith. And I won't say again. We need a Koldodi sign outside our meeting place. <laughs> our faith is a public one, not a private one. All right? Next Shabbat, we will look at the psalm that was read by the Maccabees at the rededication of the temple at the first Hanukkah. And why the miracle really occurred. So let's hold on to God and not let him go until he gives us his blessing. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this word. We pray this devotion, this, you would keep this in our hearts. Beshem, Bashem, Yeshua. Amen. Pastor Fadi Al-Hagal is founder of the, these thing, uh, of the ILC, the International Leadership Coalition as well as a multiplication, multiplication minister at Brentwood Baptist. He is born and raised in Damascus, Syria, has an amazing testimony. Some of you have seen, I know King Christy put it on our, on, on the, in the Makarese, so you could see, read his, hear his testimony. Um, his passion and desire is to go to the nations, as well as to prepare a generation of leaders with the call of making disciples of every nation. Uh, he, loves his love he believes in love being shared in word and deed, and he's witnessed much suffering and pain in his country and his life and around the world. He's seen it. And I, this is th- and that I've read from his site, but this I share from my heart. Pastor Fadi brings together leaders, what I've seen pastors from many different national backgrounds, to, te- to reach their people and their language groups. He shepherds the shepherds. He multiplies ministers, servants, because he is a servant. And I really love this man uh, in the short time I've gotten to know him, and continue to grow to know him. With many years, he has many years of experience and wisdom, and yet he's so he's humble, has a humble and broken heart for the Lord, and for his shepherds, and for the lost and for the unreached. So, would you please join me in welcoming Pastor Fadi? Uh,
1: my name is Fadi. I was born and raised in Damascus, Syria. Our house where I grew up is about two and a half miles away from the house of Judas, where, where Paul met Ananias, and the Spirit of God just fell on his eyes. And, and uh, he was anointed from that moment on to move forward with the apostolic movement of God all throughout the nations that surrounds Israel and Syria and the surrounding nations. My wife, Lindy, is with me in here. I am blessed with a precious bride. And her and I share the same love and deep calling for the nations, for the people of God, those that are His inheritance. I grew up as an Eastern Orthodox, going in and out, the churches that looked beautiful. I knew the story of Christ, but it was never my personal story. I knew the history of Christianity, but it never was my personal history until I came to a small town called Martin, Tennessee. Anybody knows where Martin? It's about, you know, imagine a Syrian in Martin, Tennessee. So so I came to Martin and uh, there I went to school in Martin, Tennessee, and that in itself is a tremendous breakthrough and a miracle in my life, And but the Lord knew exactly where my footsteps are going to lead me, and through a ministry of a small church in Martin, Tennessee, I came to know Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, as my Lord and my Savior. I came to know Him as my history, and I live for His story and for His history for the rest of my life. Lindy and I met in Martin, Tennessee. She grew up, she was born and raised here in Nashville. We both went to school in Martin. When I went, when I came to the States, I really did not speak English at all. I knew how to speak four words. Hi, goodbye, yes and no. People often say, well, how are you training international pastors and how do we communicate with a pastor from the Congo or a pastor from Uganda or a pastor from Jordan or a pastor from Kurdistan or a pastor from Israel or or a pastor from uh, from China or a pastor from Costa Rica or Brazil? And I'd say, you only need to know four words, hi, goodbye, yes and no. And a matter of fact, when I first met the pastor who led me to the Lord, he would look at me and he'll talk and I acted like I understood what he's saying. I'll be just shaking my head, you know, just, and he'll say not every once in a while, just to be generous and kind and hospitable. I'll say, yes, hi, hi. And he'll look at me and he, and he'll just keep on talking. And when I, uh, when I arrived to the United States, as a matter of fact, I knew four words in English. What are they? Hi, say it with me. Hi, goodbye. Yes? No. When I, when I got to the airport, I'm dressed up like a mafia man, white suit, black Simpson. I'm just kidding. Are you yeah. all right. so when i So I get to the airport and the immigration officer goes, open your suitcase, put your suitcase on the belt. I said, hi. He looks at me and he recognized, he says, open your suitcase. I said, Goodbye. And the whole time he's talking, I'm going, hi, goodbye, hi, goodbye. Yes, no. It's a miracle I made it out of JFK into Memphis. JFK, the buildings are so high. You know, I, this is America to all of us internationals. It's the love boat. It's, it's Hollywood. It's all, that's all we see and know. We get here. And so the buildings, when I left Damascus, got to Rome, the buildings went up a little bit. I got to New York. The buildings really went up and then and then we left jfk on our way to memphis and the building started going down and down and down left memphis ready to take the next plane to martin and they say, oh there's no planes that lands in martin tennessee you have to take the bus so i took the trailways y'all remember the trailways and trailway bus stations took the trailways got to martin a guy saw me in the streets just waiting with my suitcases had mercy on me he put my suitcases in the back, and he took me to the dormitories. My roommate is from Dyer, Tennessee. Anybody knows where Dyer, Tennessee is? That, there's two of you in here. Oh, praise God. So anyway, so Dyer, Tennessee, Tommy comes into the room. I knew four words in English. You know what they are? Hi. Goodbye. Yes. No. So I get to the dormitory. Tommy comes in, walks right in. Now, if you see a guy like me, you think two things. Either he's an international, I'm not going to be able to communicate with him, or he's a UFO and he just landed in my room. So Tommy walks around like I'm a UFO and he just kind of, he walks around and he never says a word. A few minutes later, just kinda and I'm just wondering. He's been gone for the weekend. I landed there on Saturday, he comes back Sunday night. Tommy looks down at me, just he's six four, I'm four six. He's looking down and he 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 goes, Do you because we understand you better. If you speak loudly to us internationals, we can really understand you, you know. So he's hollering at me and he goes, he goes, Do you eat people? So Tommy is so weird. I mean, he, it really is, and it's just so. I mean, when I walked in, there's airplanes hang, hang, just hanging from all the ceilings. Then, so, so he said, "Do you eat people?" Now, remember, I knew four words in English. What are they? Hi, <laughs> goodbye, yes, no. Arabic people, Jewish people. We're all hospitality is a big deal for us. So when he said, "Do you eat people?" What do you think I said? Yes. I looked at him and I said, "Yes." And Tommy, six four, I mean like a giant football player, runs to the grocery store, brings two bags of groceries, puts them down, and he goes, when you get hungry, eat food. Eat food. <laughs> so I thought America's awesome. You know, it's just, if, American people are just wonderful. So for a while, there Tommy's buying my groceries. Every time grocery runs out, I say, Tommy, food, sure. And he runs. Gets growth. A few months later, I'm feeling awful for Tommy. And I said, Tommy, no food. Fadi get food. I'm learning some English. He goes, no, Tommy get food. I said, no, Fadi get food. He said, no, Tommy. I said, why? He said, I don't want you to eat me. (laughs) I said, Tommy, you're weird. I said, why do you think I'll eat you? He said, I asked you the first question when I met you. I said, "Do you eat people?" and you said, "Yes." <laughs> Think 91 people groups in middle Tennessee. Think 5152 different nations. Think the world in Nashville, Tennessee. The Spirit of God said, I'm going to shift the wind. And I'm going to whistle the people that I want for me and in my name to come to me. And I'm going to whistle them from every direction. South, east, north, and west. And I'm going to bring them here. And I'm going to give you a mission bigger than you could ever dream of. I'm going to give you a beginning bigger than you can pray about. And God brought the nations. Now, Lindy and I pastored in Northwest Tennessee. When I first met Lindy, a a very Deep, beautiful woman of God, loves the Lord and loves Jesus, and and, uh, and 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 she. When we first met, I knew automatically maybe the Lord is bringing us together for one mission. So here I've met her, and we've been kind of seeing each other for just a few weeks, and and uh, and, and, uh, and 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 I said, "Want to meet your family?" She said, at the, "At the right time." Now I'm I'm just not recollecting word by word. She said, at "The right time." And one day we're just talking. And she said, "Maybe in about a week or so, we'll go home and meet my family in Nashville. You'll meet my mom, Anne. You'll meet my stepdad, Eli. You will." Meet. And, I, and I thought, Eli. That's a different name. Now, we had some Eli's in Damascus where I grew up. The Jewish community in Damascus was a very prominent, wonderful community. And and Eli was a Jewish name, so I kind of didn't say anything, you know. So she said, you'll meet Eli, you'll meet my sister Elizabeth, sister Debbie, you know, and, and the rest of the family, Mickey. You'll meet my dad, Tom. Eli was her stepdad. And uh and and then later on I, I just kinda hesitantly asked the question. Remember, I grew up in Damascus, Syria, and, and that gives you an idea about the hostility in our spirit toward Jewish people, hostility that should have never existed, but that's what you do when you're not Christ centered, right? You end up hating people instead of loving people with the love of Jesus Christ. And you grow up with something that you should have never inherited, but that's just, so when she said to me, Yeah, Eli, he's he's a Jew from Canada. And I tell you, now remember where I'm from. I'm from Damascus, Syria, right? And my spirit just in me went like, oh, "No." Now I love this young lady that God brought into my life. What am I going to do? How am I going to tell my family that I that her stepdad is a Jew? And uh, and uh, and so I said, "Okay." And the day came, we came to Nashville, met her sister, and on and on. And then we went to meet Anne and Eli. And I remember the first day that I met Eli. I stood there, and I had made up my mind. I'm going to stay distant from Eli. I'm not going to connect with Eli. And at the moment, the door was opened up. Eli, who's now just gone on to eternity. he He goes, oh, come here, you. And he opens his arms to embrace me. And that moment... Everything in me that I've been taught, everything in me that has been toward a nation that God has chosen to be his people, broke that very second. And God said, you're going to love him like I loved you. I brought you all the way to Martin, Tennessee to meet you, to introduce you to me. Are you going to love him like I loved you and brought you to salvation? And Eli and I began to grow together and developed a great relationship together. Where well, our family today uh, has Arabic people in it. Lindy's stepsisters are Messianic Jews. They're believers. And uh, Lindy led one of them to the Lord, and they, they led the rest of them to the Lord. And uh, and uh, can you imagine and a family that has Americans that speak English, has Jewish people that believe in Yeshua HaMashiach, and have Arabic people that believe in Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua HaMashiach. Can you imagine what the work of the Lord is like? The grace of God that comes all over us and unites us in the grace of salvation, empowers us by the Holy Spirit of God, sends us to reach His people for His glory and for His honor. Yeshua, Yeshua, our Lord, our God, Jesus the Christ, is the one who brings the world together. Rabbi, I am honored to be here. My wife and I are totally honored to be with you. What a blessing. I want to share a quick word with you today. From Joshua chapter one, I'm going to talk for just a few minutes on, and I'll be as brief as I can. And when a preacher takes his watch, that means he's not telling the truth. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But I I will, I will be very brief. I will, uh, from Joshua chapter one, I'm really going to cover Joshua one, two, three, and four. And, uh, but I'm going to be speaking very, I'm going to talk about trusting God for a new season. Trusting God for a new season. Joshua chapter one. Let me read just a few verses. And as I, as I present the topic to you, I will summarize chapters two, especially three and four. Trusting God for a new season. What a joy, what a joy to say, God, we're coming into 2023. As we step into 2023, we believe that the will of God, the plan of God, the glory of God, the purpose of God, the power of God will be revealed greater than ever before. We are because we are moving toward Christ, not away from Christ. No matter what the world does, we are moving toward Him. And, and waiting for his coming to bring us together. The bride, those that are here, and those that are with him. In Joshua chapter 1, I'll read fast, you'll listen fast. The Bible says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, saying, uh, Moses, assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. You and all the people, all this people, to the land which I'm given to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. And I love this. As I was with Mo, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and from this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll not leave you, i not forsake you. Be strong, be of good courage, for to this people you will divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Somebody say amen. 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 What a glorious God, a living God that we serve. Trusting God for a new season. I believe God is going to give you a new season. I believe God's going to give you an anointed season. I believe God's going to give you a harvest season. I believe God's going to give you a season of increase. God is going to position you and send you as an anointed congregation. Part of his bride to touch this region and to touch this nation and beyond that, the world. Trust in him. You know, when you do movies, they will always film the end scene, the last scene, the conclusion. And then they'll begin filming all the scenes to lead toward that scene. The book of Joshua is that kind of a book. It's one of my favorite books. The book of Joshua is not for the faint-hearted. The book of Joshua is not for the religious it's not for those that are that are maybe half devotionally connected to the work of the Lord. The book of Joshua is given for visionaries. The book of Joshua is given for the courageous. The book of Joshua is given for those people that are full of faith. The book of Joshua is those for those that believe in the strength and the power and the presence of Almighty God. It's a book that leads to transition. It's a book that leads to transformation and eventually is a book that leads to triumph. So God takes us from transition to transformation to triumph. That's the book of Joshua. What a great, magnificent book. The book of Joshua, God told the people of Israel, I'm going to take you to your Canaan. I'm going to take you out of Egypt, which is a picture of sin. I'm going to take you to your promised place to your promised land. Now God wanted them out of, be delivered out of Egypt, straight into their place of promise. Now they landed in the wilderness. They stayed in the wilderness. They were confused in the wilderness. They were a little bit selfish in the wilderness. They should have trusted God through the journey. They hung in there to their ideas and their plans. But God's mercy and grace continued to tarry with them until he got them to the promised place. That's the beauty of the book of Joshua. You may be in one of these three places. You may be, in Egypt, lost in sin, and you need al Fadi, the Redeemer, to redeem you and change your life. God will change you as he has changed me. I'm forgiven. I'm blessed. I carry the identity of a conqueror. I an overcomer in Christ our Lord. Or you may be in, you may be saved. You may be redeemed, but you may be in the wilderness and you're not enjoying the fullness of the Christian life. Or you may be already in, in your spirit. You may be already in your Canaan. You're no longer a wilderness wanderer. You're a Canaan conqueror. <laughs> and you are in the place of joy with the Almighty God. You're awaiting that one-on-one experience with Him. Now, the book of Joshua begins, literally, it begins with a challenge for Joshua. That's why God shows up to Joshua and says, I know you're facing a challenge. Moses, my servant, is gone. And, and the people of Israel now are moving into a new season. They're moving into a new history. Now, Everything in the book of Joshua is moving except God. God has never changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But the people of God have been delivered now out of Egypt. They have to move from being a nomadic people cross Jordan and establish a place and a government and a nation and and, and become settled people. Moving from being people that have lived in a land to becoming land owners, possessors of the land. Moses is gone though. Moses is the one who've introduced God to his people. Moses, everything they've knew about God, they knew through Moses. Moses gave them what God gave him is, is the law of God, the Ten Commandments of God. It was Moses who met God face to face. And Moses is gone. The nation is grieving. The nation is, is going from week to week in absolute grief. And God showed up to Joshua and he says Joshua Joshua the the the, uh, the Moses is gone change has come And you're no longer the second in command. I want you to rise up and lead my people. I want you to rise up and command my people. Now listen, folks. And this is where faith comes into existence. When God takes you into a place, a new place, an unknown place. When things are uncertain, this is where faith has its greatest relevance. Rise, Joshua, and lead my people. This is where faith becomes the evidence of things not seen as yet. The Hope for things to be seen in God. All by faith. God said, I'm moving you, Joshua, into a new season. And I want you to rise up and lead my people. Very quickly. In this book, in these first three chapters, God tells Joshua to tell the people to prepare themselves. Sanctify yourself Joshua chapter 3. Sanctify yourself. Get ready. Be ready to move and to cross over Jordan and to follow the ark and get right to the promised land where I want you to be. So get your people ready, Joshua. We see two things in the first four chapters of Joshua. We see the personal challenge. We see the personal challenge God gives Joshua. The pers- and then we see the corporate challenge God gives to the whole nation. In the personal challenge, God speaks to every one of the people of God, including Joshua, personally. It's as if God is speaking not only to Joshua, but to every one of the people of God, as he's leading them into their new place, into their new pl- promise, into the new season. And as he speaks to each one of them personally, he said, first of all, trust Trust my vision. God is saying to Joshua and to every household, every one of them, trust my vision. He's telling Joshua, Joshua, I want you to rise I am going to lead you. I want you to lead my people into their new, into my new plan, into my purpose so they can encounter my hour, my power. I want you to let them know that there's something that is to be expected of them if they were to follow me. I want them to trust me for something bigger than where they are today. Trust me for something bigger than where you are today. Billy Graham had to do that. Lonnie Moon had to do that in China. You are having to do that in here. Trust me for something bigger than yourself. You can't see it right now, but trust my vision. You can't touch it right now, but trust my vision. Trust me for something bigger than you are. And Joshua, be strong. Be courageous. Why? Because he knew that Joshua may fold along the way. He knew that Joshua may be afraid along the way. And he says, be strong and be courageous. Trust my vision. Then secondly, he said, not only trust my vision. Remember, he's speaking to him even on a personal level. He said, trust my presence. It's beautiful. When God begins to move us, he not only wants us to see what he wants us to see, he wants us to live in his presence. That's the most beautiful thing about the promised land. The promised land was not the promise. That was, the com- cam- uh, that was the camouflage, if you will. The promised land was just the camouflage. It sounds awesome. It's, it's eye-catching. But the promise of God was His presence. The promise of God, the Canaan of every believer, is the, pro- is the presence of Almighty God. He said, Joshua, trust what I'm seeing, what I want to show you. And then trust my presence. Live within my presence presence so here you are you're a single mom and and or you may be a business owner or you may be a believer with a call in your life like joshua will i be even as as strong as moses in my leadership can i really do what god is calling me to do and god is saying my presence will take you there if you go with me i will be with you never leave you never will i forsake you that's the promise That's the promise. It's not just the land, but the presence of God. So, personally, God is saying, trust my vision, trust my presence. And then He said, trust my word. Trust my word. I've spoken to Moses before. I will speak to you. Today you and I have the perfect, wonderful living word of God. It's sharper than two-edged sword. And God is saying to Joshua, I want you to tell the people to trust my word. As I give it to you, you impart my word to the people. If you trust it, then they will trust they will trust my word be encouraged he's speaking of a communion between the father and the son the father and the daughter it's hearing the voice of God reading the voice of God reading the word of God living in the word of God that's why I said tell the people in chapter three sanctify yourself be ready to move when I say move. He didn't say, tell the people, get ready. He never said, prepare boats, we're crossing Jordan. He never said, prepare bridges, we're crossing Jordan. He never said, prepare any of it. He said, prepare food. Prepare the victuals. What is he saying to him? He said, live by my word. Get them to be ready to move based on what they hear from me. Based on what they read from me. Based on the promise. There is nothing like a promise when you need one. And God is saying, tell my people my word. Now before that... They used to receive the word of God. They used to receive the provision of God through manna. You know, manna came down. Whale, quail came down. All is coming down. And there's a, you know, manna is, it has, it's it's a dry piece of bread. It's a dry piece that came from heaven. It has an oil, oily feel speaks of the Holy Spirit of God. A honey taste speaks of the fullness of life in Christ. And God is saying, my word is like honey to your mouth. It's like a Holy Spirit presence to you daily. And God is saying, trust my word. That's why when you read the word of God, God said, oh, taste and see that it is good. It's good, always good. So he issues the personal challenge. Joshua, to every one of you, trust my vision, trust my presence, trust my promise. But then he quickly issues a corporate challenge. He issues a corporate challenge to the entire body. And here's what he said to the entire body. He said, I want you to commit corporately, the corporate challenge. Commit to my path. Commit to my path. Now, tell the people, I'm moving and I want you to move with me. Right? And then he said, commit to my path. Now, tell them, wherever the ark goes that's where they follow i love what rabbi Kent told me a few minutes ago the the torah the word of god would have been if there was an ark you would have put it in the ark and you put it back into the holy of holies he said i want you to follow the ark and you keep if you read chapter three and four he says you keep distance between you and the ark but the only thing i want you to do is just trust the path of the ark now, you know what the ark is all about. It's overladen with gold. You know what's in the ark. There's that Aaron's rod, that but it speaks of the power of resurrection. The pres- that's the power of his presence. It speaks of the law of God that guides us. It speaks of God's provision, the manna that will always be with us, whatever God takes us. God is Jehovah Jireh, and he will always provide. He said, follow my path. Watch the ark. Now, the reason he said, "Keep tell the people, keep your eyes on the ark. When the priests feet, when they touch the water, tell them not to look down. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. I absolutely love that. The culture is saying, look here, look here, look down, look up. Look at him, look at her. Keep your eyes on Yeshua HaMashiach. The author and finisher of our faith. From everlasting to everlasting, He is God. He sees, the Bible says He sees sees the beginning and He sees the end. He sees the end from the beginning. If I transition you, look at the ark and keep moving. Amen? So trust my path to the congregation, He said. And then He said, trust my plan. I love to get to that part of the presentation because the plan was so unexpected. So as I go, you will experience the unseen. Think about it. I mean, have they been to the bottom of a Jordan? No. But they're going to get into the bottom of a river that rages like a sea. And they're going to see things in the bottom of of, of a river they've never seen before. Right? So as you trust His plan, you're going to see the unexpected. You're going to experience the unseen. And then you're going to get to the places where you're going to deal with the uncomfortable. But God's plan deals with all these things. The uncomfortable, the unexpected, the unseen, it still is God's plan. Can you imagine, as I close, can you imagine that, that a father sitting at the Jordan River before the water split? Can you imagine what happens? A father is saying, son, he's sitting with his son, he's saying, tomorrow we are going to go through these waters. Now, God had them land for three days in front of Jordan. And every night when it got dark, they started hearing the raging waters. That's terrifying, folks. That's terrifying for children, for babies, for families. Oh, you hear these raging waters and tomorrow you're going to step into that? Why did he put them in front of their troubles? To show them tomorrow that he is the conquering God. That he can conquer our troubles. That then God puts us, he puts our troubles in front of us to show us that when we come and trust him, when we trust his vision, his presence, his promise, when we move with his plan, we will see that he's bigger than our trouble. So we will focus on him. Amen? That he's a conqueror and he's not one to be conquered. And his father is talking to his son, he said, son, tomorrow... As we cross through these waters, we're going to go to the other side. And they take that journey the next day. They go and they follow the ark. They land there. And all of a sudden, they're in a new place. They've, They've gone through the unexpected. They've gone through the uncomfortable. They have gone through the unseen. They get there. And now he's sitting there. And there's all the provisions of God. And he said, son, do you see where we were and where we are right now? Look at what God has done. Now look at another father. Look at another father who was sitting with his son but chose not to leave. And he said, son, our families left us, but I just don't really, I'm not comfortable. I don't want to change. I don't want to transition. And that's okay. Some people love to stay in the wilderness. It's really not okay. But history has proven that if you stay in the wilderness and refuse to change, what happens? That wilderness turns into a place of brokenness. But if we move with God, and by the way, we don't need to change for change's sake. We change only when the Spirit of God said, I'm ready to move. I want you to move with me. Amen? But then he's a father who has changed because God said, move with me. And that wilderness turns into blessedness. So he's a father sitting back. He never made his way. He and his son sitting here. They're still in the desert. Now, Sometimes for some people, the desert's okay. They've got shoes. They've got food. They've got quail. But it's been proven you'll never reach your destiny sitting in the wilderness. You will only reach your destiny when you move crossing over with God. Amen? So here's what I want to say. He's telling his son, son, but it's okay. We're not going to go because we don't know what we see. And the son looks at the father and says, dad, well, what is the difference then between the wilderness and Egypt? Let's just go back to Egypt. At least as slaves, we had some things provided for us. But that's not where God wants us to be. So God says to the congregation, trust my path. Trust my plan. And then cross over with me. And I love what chapter 4 introduces us to. Chapter 4 says, they get there, but there was still a remnant before the water closed. And Joshua gives the command, pick up 12 stones. From the bottom of the Jordan, bring the memorials with you to remind you where you've been. <laughs> where you have been, what you've gone through, and where you're going. And they take the 12 stones, and what do they do with the 12 stones? They build an altar, Gilgal, which means a circle. And the first thing they do when they get to their new place, they worship Almighty God. He's worthy of it all. Yeshua HaMashiach. You know, I I, I don't take lightly the assignment that God gives us when we go to share, to speak, to join. I love to walk anywhere that God leads us. And the first thing we do is we worship with you. We connect with your spirit. My prayer is that the spirit of God will say, when the season comes, trust my vision. Trust my plan. I'm taking you to something to believe in that is way bigger than you've ever dreamed or thought. Amen. Father, we bless your holy name. We thank you for the history of today. We thank you for uh, Rabbi Ken. We thank you for the leadership. We thank you for the challenges. But we, above all, thank you for the ark that leads and guides. We thank you for your presence, for the promise that you are with us into a new place for a new day in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Father, thank you again. Praise you, Lord. Thank you so much for this, that wonderful message, Lord, from Pastor Fadi, Lord God, that we can chew on and and meditate upon, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your word, for, for him bringing it today. If you've never received Yeshua, you can invite him to come to, to know him into your life right now. Say, Lord, save me. Come into my life. I want to know Yeshua. I want to know this Messiah, this Christ, this Messiah, this Jesus that I've been hearing about today. I want this new start. I want this new beginning. Come into my life, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, like like the speaker just shared, Lord God, I want to know you too. I want to have that new new beginning. And like so many here have had, Lord, so... Please, come into my life, God. And if you need a miracle, maybe you need a miracle of healing today, come forward. We're going to pray. I'll even stay praying for folks a little bit with people today for prayers. Let's, we just, let's believe God for miracles and anything you need just for a few minutes afterwards. And we just thank you, Lord. If you prayed to receive Yeshua, if, you've, if you're watching live streaming, please write us contact us so we can make connection with you and help you in your new walk in the Messiah, in Yeshua. Ye be rechicha adunai vi yishmorecha. Yea er lecha lecha shalom. Bishem Yeshuah ahamashiach sar ha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and grant you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace, amen. Shabbat shalom.